You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine Monday? Maybe you're even listening to this Sunday night as I am recording it. In between games, although the uh, the Titans and Dolphins are still going on from 1 o'clock, craziness. But I have three locked-on hosts scheduled for today. Um, starting off with David Harrison from the Locked On Bucks. Crazy Bucks game. What's going on, David? How are you, man? I'm uh, doing great, obviously. Uh, much better than I would have if, uh, if the ending of that game had gone a different way. But happy to see the Bucks get a win uh, week one, especially on the road against the Saints. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I mean, as for the Bucks, I feel like the general public was way too low on them. But, you know, I looked at them and thought, really tough schedule. Awful division to play in. The worst conference to be in. Maybe they'll end up being, you know, five, six win team, even though I think they're better than that. And I looked at the Saints and thought, this might be the best team in the league. And I thought that, you know, Tampa's going to New Orleans, no Winston. They're walking into a buzzsaw, and that wasn't the case at all. No, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been low on the Bucks this offseason. I mean, even, uh, you know, even Bucks fans themselves have kind of tempered their expectations. I think it's all just residual effect, you know, from from last year. A lot of people mm-hmm. got really excited about the team really Early on, and it just kind of continued through the preseason and hard knocks and everything else. And then when the season came, well, we uh, we all know what happened. Right. And uh, we've we've discussed that many times. And I think that's really all it was. Just is there's this there's been this kind of uh, excitement kind of simmering below the surface, but fans haven't really wanted to to come out with it. And I'll tell you what, when the Saints drove down the field that first uh, that first possession and just crammed it down the, the Bucks' throats and, and put it in the end zone, uh, Bucks Twitter was was none too happy. And it, it was not a comfortable <laughs> place to uh, be to be sitting in, uh, sitting there, you know, on your phone. But then, you know, as the game obviously went on, things got a lot more excited, and I think that's where some of the excitement that the fans have been feeling that they didn't want to want to kind of show uh, kind of came out. And even Kay Adams from Good Morning Football, who was one of the biggest Buck supporters last offseason and preseason, even came out uh, kind of expressing some excitement about what the Bucks were doing. So, I mean. It, it, it makes sense that people have been so cautious. And then you look at the, like you said, the schedule. I mean, the, the toughest start of, of any team in the, in the Super Bowl era, doing it all without your quote unquote franchise quarterback. So it, it, it definitely makes sense. But I mean, uh, I've been saying, I haven't gotten a whole lot of heat for it, but I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, you know, two or three weeks in the preseason, that I think the Bucks are going to go down in this three game stretch. I think they'll, they'll mm-hmm. probably drop one just, honestly, mostly just because of, you know, it's the NFL. I mean, yeah, you can't. Right. You can't go into things guaranteeing a, a three and zero start when you when you're playing with your back of court baggage doesn't make sense. But when I looked across the board, I felt like every, every single game was winnable. And uh, as as you're aware, you know we had the locked on Saints host Ross uh, on the show last week, and, and he himself even had to admit, you know, he had a lot of respect for what the Buccaneers were doing. We had a lot of respect for what the Saints were doing, and we all predicted a shootout, and that's exactly what we got for the most part. Yeah, absolutely, and. You you obviously watched this game much closer than I did, and I will go back and watch it, of course. But my impressions of the offense, and tell me if I'm wrong or let me know what you thought, were the protection was exceptional. And I think that was something not everyone could just tell from the box score. Obviously, Evans, who you know went against Lattimore, who a great young corner, and Deshaun Jackson mm-hmm. were big play guys for sure and had huge days, as they're capable of doing. And... 
from what I saw, Fitz fit the ball in some nice spots. You know, he made some good throws, and we do know that he can be a streaky guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever had a better game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> th- there have been a few people talking about having this is the best game in his career. Statistically, I don't know. I haven't gone back yet and compared uh, the rest of his career to today. But, I mean, I can tell you, I've never seen him look this good. And I've, I watched him a little bit when he played with some of the other teams mm-hmm. that he was on. Um, yeah, I mean, even if, if you're not a Bucks fan, I would recommend watching this game. It's, it's, an, it's an extremely fun game to watch. Um, if you favor defenses, maybe don't watch it because <laughs> right. uh, the defense didn't do too well. And I'll tell you, in the early on, really, Marcus Williams was kind of the focal point. And I don't know if that was by strategy or just kind of dumb, but he's the one that got toasted by Deshaun Jackson for that early touchdown. Okay. Later on in the game, he got ran over by Peyton Barber on a big game. And then later that same drive, he's the guy that got ran over by Ryan Fitzpatrick on his way into the end zone. So, and and for those who don't know, he's the one who gave up the the you know what is it, what do they call it the Minneapolis miracle catch yeah, to right. Stephon Diggs. You know what I mean? So, and he was a, a good player though. Of, I mean, he was a, he had a successful rookie year, and everyone remembers just that one play. But it sounds oh, exactly. like he had a tough day. And yeah, exactly. And that's something we talked about during our crossover episode last week. Is is he going to be able to come back and and you know start off his season on a high note, or is there going to be some hangover? And at least in the first half, there was, there was definitely some hangover because uh, he's not a guy who's typically going to get run over by a 30-plus-year-old veteran quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, uh, you know, it didn't linger, you know, the whole game or anything like that. There wasn't uh, a focal point to kind of attack him, but just early on in the game, that's definitely uh, what it looked like. And then the rest of the game, I mean, really just a game of attrition. I mean, there was one drive where the Buccaneers lost two players and ended up with rookies at safety and corner, mm. uh, even having already come in without Brent Grimes. And then Vernon Hargraves goes out, and then Justin Evans goes out, and you've got rookies and Chris Conte back there uh, as your secondary. And you're just looking at that clock as a Bucks fan, as, as somebody who's, who's kind of pulling for the Buccaneers, just looking at that clock saying, come on, you know, run run down, run down, run down. And uh, it didn't quite happen as fast as everybody would have would have preferred. You know, but at the end of the day, the clock was on the side of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned some losses on defense. And you also mentioned this was not exactly a defensive, you know, a textbook defensive game by either team. But from what I mm. what I was able to gather, they stopped the run quite well, you know, and that's a really good rushing attack, even though Ingram's not there, Pete didn't play. It's still, it's a really good line, and Kamara's a stud. But they didn't really have any mm-hmm. answers for Thomas or Kamara as receivers. But, you know, maybe the most encouraging thing was this pass rush that they've invested so much in really looked much better than it did a year ago, led by Gerald McCoy, who's as good as ever. Yeah, I mean, they definitely got to Drew Brees more than the Saints pass rush got to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, there there were days he could have planted a tree and, and waited for it to grow mm-hmm. uh, with, with the protection that they had there. Um, even on some some clear passing downs where you know there's blitzes coming, uh, the Saints defense just couldn't get through. So kudos to the Bucks offensive line for that. Uh, the Bucks pass rush themselves, it, I think it looked, it looked good at times. Um, it's not fully what you would want it to be. But if you look at that defensive line, I mean, so many pieces up front are replacements or so many pieces are new guys. You need more than a month. You need more than a month and a half to really put all that together. And you've got a new defensive line coach. So even Gerald McCoy, who's your veteran presence, your pro bowler, he, he's got a new coach. He's got a new you know scheme that he's working within and new teammates that he's getting used to playing with. So it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for the defensive line to get fully wrapped up. But, yeah, I mean, containing Alvin Kamara, uh, containing Michael Thomas, probably about as much as you could. Um, definitely some frustration. Mike Smith likes to play kind of a, a standoffish, kind of a soft uh, secondary, and 
you know, against guys like Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is not the kind of guy that you want to give uh, free steps to. And right. every time you're giving him a free release off the line, you're, you're playing with fire. And uh, that's exactly what we saw today. So definitely from a defensive standpoint, you know, there's going to be some current concerns moving forward, looking at teams like the Eagles, looking at teams like the Steelers, who, uh, you know, they've got decent defenses on their own. They've also got the ability to do some things on the offensive side of the ball that uh, if the defense doesn't sure up some of these holes that we saw this weekend. Yeah, and, it could be. Uh, it could be, could be uh, problematic. Yeah, it could be some shootouts. David, so thanks so much. Just wanted to do a quick little 10-minute spot with you. Tell everyone where they can find you, and, of course, they need to check out the Locked On Buccaneers podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, James and I, James Jarko, my partner, and I both uh, host the Locked On Bucks podcast, uh, just like every other podcast in the Locked On Network. We both also work for uh, BucksNation.com over there, part of the SB Nation. And you can find me on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Uh, I talk Bucks, I talk football, I talk fantasy, I talk draft. So pretty much no topic off limits for me as far as football is concerned. Absolutely. And I just want to let everyone know we are brought to you by my bookie. I've been doing this a long time. I've hosted a bazillion podcasts in my life. And really since I've been doing podcasts, people are always asking me for advice. Usually it's who to bet on. And I have a pretty decent track record, although I probably took the Saints in this one, but I did think it would be a, a shootout. But what I do know is you need to do place your bets over at mybookie.com. Uh, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and they absolutely have been. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay. They have in, in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy dudes out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Very cool new thing that they got going there now. So join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. And it's free money, guys. You use our promo code, all one word, locked on, to activate that offer. So visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie, and don't forget to use the promo code locked on, all one word, when creating your account to claim your bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, all right, we are back. We are back with Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs. We've talked here before. They do a fantastic job over there. Got a big win over the Chargers. Andy's dominance over that team and the division as a whole continues at a remarkable rate. Ryan, how is it going? You know, I think the Chiefs have to be pretty happy, and it's yeah. nice to cover a team that uh, is actually making improvements. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just start with the low-hanging fruit here. I mean, Mahomes he's at least in this performance was much better than I expected. And I'm a big, big believer, but wow, does he look polished? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm a big believer too, but I expect the interceptions to come. Uh, the fact that he held himself out of making some of those mistakes threw the ball away when he needed to, uh, you know, tucked it and run when he needed to as well. And I thought you like you said, he looks polished. He looked like he's a little bit ahead of schedule. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and obviously the wow stuff is there as well. Yeah, that cannon, man. Um, oh. it, it helps when you have the fastest guy in the league running routes for you. But yeah, um, that, that arm is for real. And, he, and that leads me to Hill. That's where I was going next is he looks better than ever. <laughs> I mean, the return right off the bat. I mean, the end around, he just makes everyone look foolish. Running past people left and right. It's... Uh, this this offense, I don't think is an exaggeration, has a chance to be the best in the league or certainly the most fun. 
and most dynamic. Yeah, I completely agree because he's got speed and power on on all levels. You know, Kelsey didn't even really have much of a day out there uh, in Los Angeles, right? And they didn't need him to. Uh, and that's another guy that can just run away from coverage uh, on a really consistent basis. But I, I think you're right about Hill. It looks like his route running's improved. Uh, his cuts. I mean, he always gets loose, but he's getting loose cleaner. I think that's important for what's going to happen as teams move to defend him in a different way down the line. Yeah, that's well said, and. A lot of it is scheme, but a lot of it's just an awful lot of ability. Um, how do you think Sammy Watkins acclimated himself in his first week? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, there's only so many footballs that can go around on this offense. For sure. And and it was clear that uh, that Hill was running routes in a way that, that Mahomes was looking to him a little bit first. But, uh, you know, you saw Sammy take a post that he made a real nice grab, uh, used his hands well, didn't see anything getting into his chest. Um, you know, he also had a couple where, you know, the power of that arm uh, caught up to him a little bit. But yeah. I think for a first outing where they didn't have to rely on him, they didn't have to put the pressure on him, uh, I thought that was a good step forward for him. And I think he's going to ease into this offense a little bit, but he will get there. Yeah, and- and he's also immensely talented, of course. Um, I didn't. You probably watched more of this than I did. You know, I was watching the red zone as much as I possibly could, and the game just finished, so I've got a chance to rewatch it. It seemed like the line held up well, though. I mean, do you agree with that? And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but no Joey Bosa, obviously, on the other side. Right, definitely uh, had a better chance without Bosa. You know, and they had a few breakdowns. Um, I thought what you saw was that Mahomes uh, scrambled and moved out of the pocket uh, better than you expected at mm-hmm. first. Yeah, uh, a lot of folks were caught a little bit off guard about just how athletic he is, and I think that covered up a couple of things. But all in all, uh, it looks like this line is able to block at the level they were last year, if not a little bit improved. And we'll see what they can do as they come together. Yeah, and give me your analysis on the other side of the ball and. Obviously, it would have been nice, like the Bosa situation. It would have been great to see Eric Berry out there. And, you know, I saw D4 doing some good things. But overall, I mean, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Rivers, I mean, they seem to have their way with KC. Yeah, you know, the separation, especially with all those receivers that have a good size advantage, the the Chiefs secondary, especially the starting three corners, are small. Uh, That's what this evolution has done to them. Um, And it's it's certainly telling that the guy that was probably the biggest player in your secondary is a guy that you signed a week ago after you let him go in free agency. So that's a significant step, too. But (laughs) a little bit of veteran presence from Ron Parker actually helped them make that transition without Barry on the field. And there is rumor that Barry may be back next week. No, that'd be huge, and we know how important he is. Um, any other thoughts on a Chiefs perspective? And I also just wanted to hear what did you th- what do you think of the Chargers? I mean, I, I I fall for this trap every year. I picked them to win the division last year. I love Rivers. They're just snake bit, and, and the kicking game is still bad. And they have no home field advantage. I mean, the whole place was red today. It's a tough situation for the Chargers to win when it's, those are the cases. Yeah, you know, it's 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 riding a bus to work, you know. I mean, yeah. that that stadium doesn't support you as well as you would like. Um Rivers, I mean, when you're still throwing touchdowns to to Antonio Gates at this point, you know, there, there's a lack of evolution there. And I like Anthony Lynn. I like what he does. I, I like where he comes from. But I think he personally needs to exert a little bit more uh, of his personal influence on that team. I think they need to get a bit tougher around the edges and, and keep that edge that they need. Because you're right, they fall into this trap over and over and over. And I just don't know how it's going to go down the stretch for them. Yeah, I hear you. And this isn't even so much a knock on Lynn. But people that don't think coaching is super, super important at this level, 
just go watch this game. You know, I mean, the Chiefs are have a massive advantage in that category over San Diego or L.A. Yeah, right. I do that all the time, too. <laughs> I will for five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's a tough call. You know, Andy Reid, he has this tree that everyone's been talking about, you know, for the last few weeks for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, because it works. And the fact that he's at this point in his career. 20 years down the line, and he's still coming up with wrinkles that people aren't ready for. I mean, that's a significant thing that points to just how good Andy Reid is. And that's an advantage that a lot of people, like you said, don't chalk up. And the rest of this division, except for Gruden, you know, because of his experience. He knows what Gruden's like, yeah. Right. And, you know, if he had players that could actually run the offense he wants to run, he might be dangerous. But we'll see if that ever pans out Right. I, mean, I think the other thing on yeah, the other side of the ball, I think the Chiefs are a little bit of a disadvantage with uh, a defensive coordinator that that gets predictable, that tries to squeeze players into his scheme rather than adapting his scheme. And I think that's uh, something that you see in the secondary right now that is one of their pitfalls. And if they can get right, they'll be all right. But if not, you know, you're looking at at some point having to adapt who who's calling that defense. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um Brian, I have a feeling you and I are going to talk a lot of these Mondays because <laughs> the Chiefs, to me, and I've been saying this all offseason, so I feel somewhat justified, might be the most exciting team in the league. Shootouts, roller coaster, fun young quarterback who probably will make some mistakes, but the wow things are all there. Like, if I, if I was an impartial guy and I had to pick one team that I could only watch for the whole year, I might take Kansas City this year. Yeah, and I don't think I would blame you a bit. Yeah. So uh, I look forward to talking to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone should check Ryan out on Locked on Chiefs. And what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's a Ryan Tracy NFL, all one word. Awesome. All right, bud. Thanks again. Have a good one. All right, we are back for our third guest. And we're going to be doing this every Monday. Got James Rapian from the Locked On podcast, or Locked On Bengals podcast. Sorry, I got confused. I've been talking to all these different Locked On hosts. <laughs> <laughs> James, on, on Friday I said, man, the Colts are a bad team, and I think the Bengals are an underrated team. I can't believe they're dogs in this game. I think they're going to blow the doors off the Colts. And it took a while, but in the end it was pretty impressive by the Bengals, I thought. And you saw more of this than me, but I'm curious what your initial overriding thoughts are here. Uh, I'm with you. I thought going in, Matt, that that, that was going to be the case. I mean, you look top to bottom and, and just roster for roster, and I think the Bengals are certainly more talented than mm-hmm. the Colts kind of rebuilding right now, and they, they've kind of admitted that and, and, and look at it that way. I think early on in the game, a, a lot of people expected, and I expected the Bengals' pass rush to get after Andrew Luck and expected him to be a little rusty, and he didn't look rusty to me. I mean, the way he was moving in the pocket, the way he was stepping up, sliding, avoiding the pass rush. I know a lot of Bengals fans were frustrated with the Bengals defense, but I think a lot of that had to do with quick passing and Andrew Luck just being Andrew Luck. So he looked really good to me. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, you look at the, the second half and what happened, especially in the fourth quarter, the Bengals outscored the Colts 17 to nothing. Clearly uh, seemed like the better team in the second half, held the Colts to seven second half points and it was just one of those things where it took time. I think a lot of Bengals fans were panicking at halftime, uh, but the Bengals kept their composure, something we haven't seen in, in the past couple of years, and yeah. uh, were able to make a second-half push and get the win. Yeah, I kind of want to mention that, and I didn't mean to talk down on the Bengals because people around here in Pittsburgh often do, to be quite honest. <laughs> but it's this fair. is a game that I feel like they would have lost a year or two ago. 
I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think that this team, when the Colts went up twenty-three to ten, it felt like, okay, are you going to go score here or are you not? And is that going to be it? And they, to their credit, they went down, they scored. AJ Green had a, a thirty-eight yard touchdown reception. Andy Dalton put it right on the money, and then the defense came out and got a stop, and uh, they went and took the lead in the fourth quarter, and they built on that, and they were able to run the ball despite their right tackle and Bobby Hart really being bad for the majority of the game. So Mm -hmm. I think that this team showed its resiliency. Is there there some things that they need to clean up? Yes. Does Sean Williams need to play the entire game? Absolutely. The guy who came in for him him after he got ejected ended up making the play of the game. So it's it's certainly, I think, overall an encouraging day for the Bengals and for Bengals fans. Yes, and... In a way, same for Colts fans. I mean, I, like you said, I thought luck got better as the game went on. Started to really look like it was his, his former self. But it's something I've loved about this Bengals defense. Like in all my fantasy leagues, I have the Bengals defense because you can get them cheap. People don't realize they're good yet. But they have defensive linemen now in waves, you know, like the Eagles mm-hmm. or a team like that. And Dunlap really showed up today. Geno always shows up. Lawson, I think, is a great player in the making and I kind of felt like the tackles for the Colts were overmatched. And in the end, that was one of the differences. That the longer the game went on, the more the advantage the Bengals had. Absolutely. I, I mean, the, the the one controversial call, and it, it's, it's one of those things I think we're going to see throughout the NFL this year. Carlos Dunlap gets the edge, sacks Andrew Luck. He loses the ball. It seems like the Bengals have returned it down to the three-yard line, and they call roughing the passer. Uh, th- that's when you started to see it turn, and Dunlap responded after the roughing the passer call with an, another sack and that Bengals defensive line started to get after him. Uh, but it took some time. I, I mean, the, the Bengals, they struggled early at getting the Colts in second and third and long and, and give the, the Colts credit. I, I think if I'm a Colts fan today, I'm very encouraged by what I saw from Andrew Luck. Yeah. I'm encouraged from Grant, who I think is going to be one of their go-to guys in the, the luck to T.Y. Hilton um, connection, certainly still there. So, so I think you're encouraged at the same time, I think that if you're a Bengals fan, you look at this and you say, okay, the defensive line, it took them some time. They made some halftime adjustments, which in Cincinnati has been one of the biggest criticisms uh, during the Marvin Lewis era, especially over the past four or five years, is the lack of halftime adjustments. They made them, especially on defense, and held the Colts to seven second-half points. Yeah, very well said. And let's flip it to the offense. And Eifert's healthy. Ross is healthy. And you know, looks like a potential difference maker. Mm-hmm. We know that AJ Green's a special player and that showed up again today, as you mentioned, but Mixon's the guy now, you know, I mean, it, it seems to me that the offense started sort of slow, but then when they started to really lean on Mixon as a runner and receiver and make him the foundation of the offense and take a little bit of heat off Dalton, things really starts to go well for this team. Totally. I I think the key to this offense, if you want to unlock its full potential, is running the football at a high level. Or if if it's not even running it, it's quick screens that they use mixing in today. Exactly. Yeah. In in that to me, in in Bill Lazor, the new offensive coordinator for the Bengals, I say new because it's a new playbook, even though he was there for 14 games last year. Uh, I think that's the key to the season. If you can unleash Mixon, who I think is a very special talent, and instead of just saying, oh, it's A.J. Green who's the best player on the offense and it becomes a debate by the end of the year, is it Green, is it Mixon? Mm-hmm. That's the, the best-case scenario for this Bengals offense. The, the way they use Mixon today is 
it, it's very encouraging because he got it out of the backfield. He, he ran it effectively when he did get carries. The offensive line, I, I think, in, um, in the run blocking was really effective, especially when you look at how they were last year. And if this team is going to make the jump from 7 to 10 wins or 7 to 11 wins, however you have them, uh, whatever you expect or hope that they get to as a Bengals fan, I think the key is, is getting that run game unlocked. And, and ultimately, today was a, a good first step. Now, do they need to improve? Absolutely. Is there more that they need to do? Yes. But, but I think especially after you watch them in the preseason, they struggled to run the ball. The first team mm-hmm. offense did in the preseason. And, and they certainly didn't struggle today. Joe Mixon had a, had a game. And it was good to see because for a year and four or five months now since he was drafted, we've, we've talked about the talent he has. But the offensive line, the play calling, et cetera, has kind of limited him. It didn't limit him today. They put him in, uh, up in a, a position to succeed, and he did, and he showed what he could do. Yeah, and I think the little bit of weight loss helped him too. He looks quicker. Absolutely. He looks like he did in college. And I don't think the offensive line is ever going to be one of the best in the league, but as long as it's not such a hindrance like it was last year. And, and I'm sitting here thinking too, like all the attention A.J. Green got from defenses last year, he must be ecstatic. Like, yeah, get create something. Get some attention away from me. There's some other guys in this offense people fear now finally. Yeah, I, I think that is the, the ultimate goal for this offense. If you have a healthy Ross, like you mentioned, Eifert, Mixon, Green, Tyler Boyd, who I think is, is kind of an underrated, had yeah, a big third yeah. down conversion today. Um, he had a big uh, third down conversion. I think he's going to be Andy Dalton's safety net. But you have all these weapons to worry about. If you're Bill Lazor, you can scheme around a poor right side of the line or today what was Bobby Hart. I mean, it was a, a right tackle issue. You could scheme around that a little bit and still have success as an offense overall. I mean, you look, they scored 27 points today. That that should be enough to win plenty of games in the NFL. Last year, they averaged 18. So certainly a boost for this offense. Was it ugly, especially in the first half at times? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but overall, I think that this is what you wanted to see from Bill Lazor in, in his new playbook week one. Yeah, I 100% agree. And uh, unless you have any other thoughts, James, I'm going to let you go. You're the man. Everyone needs to check out Locked on Bengals. Where can they find you? Uh, this was fun. I have a feeling we're going to talk a lot this year. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. Uh, you can find me on, uh, obviously, uh, daily on the Locked on Bengals podcast on any platform that you subscribe to podcasts on. We'll be there. Also on Twitter, at James Erpine. And I host the Daily Show on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati from noon to one every weekday. So uh, those are the places you can find me. Very, very cool. And that's a wrap for today's Locked on NFL podcast. Uh, you'll be getting this probably Sunday night. Probably listen to it Monday. And I'm back with Sage Rosenfels on Tuesday. We'll talk about some quarterback stuff, probably touch on the Vikings as well. They had a big win. So in the meantime, check out the rest of the Locked On Network over and out.